Shall we get started? It's seven o'clock. Sure. Okay, well, welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us for the November 5th, 2020 Historical Advisory Board meeting. Um, moving right into the agenda, the first item of business is roll call. Uh, this is Alan Tai, Secretary of the Plan uh, Historical Advisory Board. I'll do the roll call. Um, Board Member Jones? Uh, present. Lau? I think you're muted, uh, Board Member Lau, but you are present. Um, Board Member Sanchez? Present. Board Member uh, Chair Saxby? I am here. And Board Member Witt? Here. And we have a quorum. Excellent. So the next item on the agenda uh, are the minutes. And I don't believe we have any minutes to review, do we? Uh, no minutes for tonight. We have a new person during our minutes, and um, they are being trained. <laughs> okay. Um, so moving past minutes to agenda changes and discussions. Does anybody propose a change or a discussion on the agenda? No. None from staff. Okay. Next item is oral communications. Do we have any oral communications? Okay, and I assume that there's someone out there listening and they'll step in if they want to speak. <laughs> um, written communications. Uh, staff did receive a letter from the Alameda Architectural Preservation Society, which um, this board was also a recipient. And that's pertaining to item 7A on tonight's agenda. Okay, well, we'll be reviewing that when we get to the regular agenda items, which is next, regular agenda. So um, again, Alan Tai, Secretary of the Historical Advisory Board. Um, I'll just go ahead and jump in and uh, give the staff presentation. So tonight is the second workshop on the update of the Historic Preservation Ordinance. Um, mm -hmm. May I have permission to share screens? I could show the PowerPoint slide. Yes. <clears throat> At least I have permission now. Okay. So, um, just a quick outline for tonight. Um, I'll do a quick recap of the previous workshop um, for anybody who was not able to join us last time. Um, this is just to bridge the conversation we had at the last meeting. Uh, mainly the focus for this evening is to review and discuss the draft introduction sections of the Historic Preservation Ordinance. And those sections include um, the purpose statement, the definition, as well as the duties of the Historical Advisory Board and, and staff. Um, and really what, what I'm trying to do this time around with this meeting was just to see um, how much material we can get through and to gauge um, what's really the right amount. I think um, reviewing the last meeting, it was actually a lot of information very dense. Um, but uh, fortunately, as we dive into the specifics, um, we can hopefully get some more clarity on, on, on the uh, 
information. And then um, after we go through a discussion, um, I think this would be a, a kind of a two-part uh, session where uh, we would go through the introductory section. Um, I would, and this is just kind of my suggestion to the chair. Uh, maybe we would break for Q&A and public comment, and then we would come back to talk about um, some uh, thoughts and questions for the next meeting. Okay, so that's the staff plan for this evening. Um, so a quick recap of the October workshop. What we did last time around was we actually walked through the entire preservation ordinance, went through all the sections. Um, and as part of that, we talked about what are some of the objectives? What are we trying to accomplish by doing an update of the preservation ordinance? And we also went through some um, potential ideas for amendments. We talked about things like incentives, the Mills Act program, things that would encourage uh, investment in historic property um, in the city, as well as potential, um, potentially in expanding the board's toolbox for things like enforcement, dealing with um, certain situations. Um, I've heard feedback from the board about uh, maybe um, wanting to take a look at new development that might not be directly impacting a historic resource, but it might be close enough where it might affect the context. So those are all ideas that um, we've noted um, that we wanna come back and revisit. And we also went through a quick timeline. Um, just quickly, objectives. In terms of objectives, we did go through and discuss that, you know, we, as part of this update, we wanna incorporate best practices, memorialize existing practices and procedures that are working for us. Uh, I just mentioned expanding your tools, um, as well as developing some incentives. And ultimately, you know, this is to guide investment in property. Um, we have an old housing stock and building stock in Alameda. That's about 100 years old. And we really want to um, extend the life of those buildings another 100 years. I think that's really sort of the, uh, the hallmark of this process. Um, and at the last meeting, we also summarized that amendments typically would fall into three categories, new uh, policies or practices, uh, as well as memorializing things that we, we already do, as well as technical and administrative cleanup. So with that, I'm just gonna dive in into the, um, the first section of the code that we are looking at, um, which uh, is the purpose statement. Um, the purpose statement of an ordinance is often overlooked, uh, but it's actually a really important section um, because it provides justification for why we have the set of laws and regulations that follow this section. And most importantly, establishes the legal authority for the city to regulate the subject matter. And so some of the questions that we often try to address in a purpose statement is, in this particular case, why are we preserving? What's the point of preserving? And um, once we address that question, well, where's the city's authority coming from? Um, and then also some of the more finer grain details as to, well, is, is preservation important to the city? In what way? Is it economic development? Is it um, preservation of neighborhood character or for other architectural or historical reasons? Um, so this is the existing and current purpose statement for our ordinance. Um, we think it actually it is pretty good, but where it needs to be improved is um, a specific reference to the city's police powers. 
which refers to the powers granted to local governments by the California Constitution um, so that cities can pass laws for the purpose of regulating or for the purpose of protecting public health, safety, and welfare. Those are kind of three key words that associate with the city's gov local government's police power. And this is the power that local government has um, uh, to, to pass laws. Um, this is uh, the next two slides show the draft language, um, which is also an exhibit included in the staff report. We start off by clearly stating that this is related to the city's police powers. And by promoting education, safety, and welfare of the cities, um, and we do this by recognizing and protecting our historic resources. We, we believe that will foster civic pride. It will enhance city character. It would enhance Alameda's property values. And equally important, it would support economic development of the community. So um, I didn't read the actual language, but at this point, I'm gonna pause for a little bit and see if the chair would has any questions or board, uh, or if any of the board members have questions? Um, I do not have any questions at this point. I do have some comments, but I'm gonna hold those until after others have had a chance to provide their input. Lynn, or Member sure. Jones? Yeah, I had a quick um, comment um, or a question, I guess, that came, popped into my head while reading um, through the article. Um, it has to do with like vandalism and it made me think about that through like um, historical signage and things like that. Um, I guess my question is, is there sort of, um, what are the steps needed to take so that we can ensure that signage and historical plaques or whatnot is kind of taken care of once they're established? Is that a, an appropriate question for now? Or yes, mm -hmm. uh, yes, Board Member Jones. Um, I think, but I think the area that you are speaking about more relates to the protection and maintenance of uh, historic resources. So, um, for instance, you know, with vandalism, um, we can have in the preservation ordinance uh, provisions for penalties. You know, is it a? I, I think um, on its face. The, any violation of the Alameda Municipal Code is a misdemeanor, but we can also adopt uh, uh, more uh, stronger uh, penalties for um, you know severe violations. Somebody demolishes a historical monument without permit. Um, though that would that that would be the context for which um, this conversation would come up. Um, and then um, for property owners, requiring them to properly maintain their pro uh, their historic property, um, that would also, I believe, would come up as uh, when we discuss um, enforcement tools and, and penalties. And, but oftentimes, or not that I'm an expert on this, but um, I, I don't know that, um, you know, the perpetrators or whoever does the act of you know, graffiti or whatnot, or scratching, you know, a plaque, because I have seen it around Alameda, unfortunately, 
And I don't know that those people are ever uh, caught in the act, nor am I aware that they're able to, you know, um, pay the price of that to actually restore. I'm, I'm just curious, is there like some sort of funds available to do that? I mean, it's, it's tough because I don't think that we can always find the person responsible. Yeah, I think when we talk about vandalism, um, even though it might be in the context of a historic plaque, ultimately it is vandalism. It is a uh, sort of a police department, public safety sort of uh, responsibility. And so I don't know that um, this board or that we ne necessarily need to develop our own penalties for, for that type of sort of vandalism. I mean, whether you vandalize a car or a historic building, it's still vandalism, and I think there are um, public safety uh, laws that govern that. Um, regarding funding, I think that is a separate conversation, um, but the answer, short answer is there is not um, funds right now available or, or uh, funds in the Historical Advisory Board Fund um, for for anything of that purpose, but it is a, a future conversation that we will uh, we will have um, regarding the fund and and how the board would like to promote the preservation program in the city. You make a good point, Alan, and that they're two separate situations that we're talking about. But I guess for me personally, I'm just interested in plaques and things that are originally in place that are uh, just not in good shape right now. But we can talk about that at a different time. Okay, so if there are no other questions, um, I will continue on. So really the next section we're gonna focus on would be uh, definitions. Um, currently in the ordinance, there are just seven definitions. I have them listed here on the slide. And when I think about just the uh, ideas that we've discussed at the last workshop, potential amendments to the code, tools, uh, incentives, um, and, and also looking at other uh, model ordinances in the state of California, immediately just a number of terms come into play. Um, and the draft that I have presented includes, uh, you know, all of these new definitions um, but one thing I do want to emphasize is that um, this is re really just kind of a brainstorm exercise. I do expect that we will need to revisit the definitions as we go along um, with the ordinance updates because how we define certain terms would totally depend on how this board decides to uh, 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 which direction you want to go on various topics. An example I have on the screen is, you know, alteration versus demolition. Um, how we define that really, I mean, so really demolition can be a form of alteration. And so how we decide to set the thresholds for what sort of alteration requires what form of review would um, really change how we define these terms. So I would say at this point, um, this is more food for thought. Um, and I know there will be a lot of discussion 
um, and we already received uh, the AAPS letter, which has very good comments about definitions. Um, this is a matter that we will revisit. And I think it's maybe the best way to uh, approach it, it would be as we move along the pertinent sections and the terms come up, that's where we would address the definition. And then I think at the very end, um, we would also do one more exercise to review the list of um, definitions. In some other cities where they have the definition section or a glossary, uh, often that's at the very end. But we're talking about definitions now because that just happens to be the second section um, as we move down the table of contents. So any questions about that process at the moment? Now, if there are, um, if you have comments about uh, that particular definition that just sticks out as a source, um, I mean, I think this is also the time to bring, bring that up. Okay. Um, I'm gonna continue to talk about the next section, which relates to the duties of this board. Um, currently, uh, the section covers uh, a number of responsibilities of the board, um, some that are even broad, broader than in your experience what you've done on the board um, in the last couple of years. Um, you adopt rules and procedures. Um, you have the duty to protect historical monuments. Um, you haven't had a lot of opportunity to create committees and decide on use of funds, but I think those are conversations that we could have sort of in the future in terms of, hey, um, how do we create, uh, how do we create opportunities so that there's money flowing in the fund? How does that work? Um, and then once you have resources like that, uh, what do you do with that? So those would be future conversations we can have outside of the ordinance update process. Uh, but number three is something that you have been doing all along, reviewing um, uh, historic alterations to historical resources um, under criteria that's already been established. Um, uh, you, in certain cases, make recommendations to the city council. Um, number four has to do with, again, funds. Um, I would like to say that these duties were adopted originally in 1982 um, when the board was still fairly new. Um, so now I think is an opportunity for us to reassess, hey, does this need a change or not? Um, promoting preservation, public education, make recommendations to the council, um, direct and delegate responsibilities to staff, rounds up sort of the um, duties that are currently in the ordinance. Um, staff isn't proposing a lot of those uh, much. Staff's not proposing to change the duties that much, um, other than um, expanding your role in making recommendations to the city council as an advisory role, um, ordinance updates, something that you will do, as well as enforcement activities. This is really to set up the framework so that when we get to the enforcement section, you have. Um, greater powers to do various things. And then also something that I believe uh, other um, uh, preservation boards in the state has in their ordinance is really just the ability to, to recommend nominations for California or, or uh, National Register, um, which the HAB has done pre in previous years, but again, not um, codified in the ordinance. 
And I believe we have public comments um, related to this as well. Before we get to the comments, Alan, I have a question regarding the duties of the HAB. Where in this document does it describe what we've been doing, you know, in the entire time I've been on the board, which is reviewing projects um, and alterations to historic properties? Um, it doesn't really seem to define a role for that in this um, document. It, um, so, Chair Saxby, that, those provisions um, come up in, I believe, 13-21.7, interim review. It's under the section interim review. Um, and that's that where... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And then, so that would be for pre-1942 properties, historic, uh, historical building study list properties. In the subsequent section after this, the duty section, there is a section on, um, we'll, we'll get to later this evening, um, procedures for historical monuments. And, and there's language in there that talks about the board's role in reviewing um, uh, alterations to monuments. But otherwise, most of what this board has done in your experience um, comes from the inter interim review section. And is there any it's called in <clears throat> I was just going to ask, is there any reason why it wouldn't be considered a duty of the Historical Advisory Board? Uh, it certainly can be, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, often, you know, in these sort of descriptions, they're written fairly broad. But yes, we can certainly add a uh, add an eighth bullet that describes the um, board's role in in, um, in protection of preservation, uh, uh, protection uh, and preservation of historic resources is what I mean. Well, just basically the the enforcement of the uh, historic preservation ordinance. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Are there other questions? So, um, are you finished with your presentation? I have actually just, uh, I believe one more slide okay. about what staff is proposing. Um, Great. So typically in preservation ordinances, um, there's also a description of the duties of staff. Um, and that's because um, staff often plays a substantial role in um, help carrying out the preservation program of the city. Um, and these are things that we already do. And so carrying out the direction of the, of the board, providing staff report at meetings as I'm doing today, serving as a liaison between um, board, the board and other commissions and the public, uh, maintaining the uh, historic resources inventory. And we can talk a little bit more about what does maintain mean? Do we mean just administrative maintenance or um, in, in some other cities, um, staff actually has a little bit greater role in, in terms of if there is clear evidence a property is, um, is historically significant without necessarily having to hold public hearings, um, there are processes laid out where staff can add or remove um, resources from an inventory or a structure of merit. Again, the whole other conversation we will need to have. Um, and then obviously the last bullet is very important, um, promulgating 
uh, forms, policies, and just more administrative logistics, um, things like you know permitting process in the permit center, how we, how, what the forms look like. Um, that's responsibility of staff. So um, we like to memorialize that in the ordinance. So at that at this point, um, that really concludes my summary for the draft, uh, the exhibits that's been presented in the staff report. And um, staff would recommend that uh, you take public comment and then um, provide um, direction on uh, to staff on the draft. Okay, are there are there public speakers um, for this item? Yes, it looks like we have one speaker. It will be Christopher Buckley. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Very good, yes. thank you. Um, so Christopher Buckley with the Alameda Architectural Preservation Society. As um, the secretary mentioned, uh, we sent a letter last night. Hopefully you all had it and had a chance to review it. I was going to go over some points in the letter. Is there anyone who did not receive the letter? I don't hear anybody. I think we all received it. Okay, good. Um, also a question. Uh, it sounds like you're gonna have two parts of this discussion. First, uh, on uh, the draft changes in front of you, and then a second discussion on what comes next. Will um, you be taking public comment for the second part, or should I get all my uh, comments in right now? Um, I don't see why we wouldn't take public comment for the second part. So uh, why don't you hold those questions until it's relevant? Okay, and do I have three minutes for each part? Uh, Mr. Buckley, uh, you can have more than three minutes, but you know, please be concise with your comments. Okay, all right. So um, our letter focuses, much of it focuses on the definitions and I'll go through a few of these. Uh, we noted at the beginning that it's a little challenging to you know, take a look at the definitions in isolation of the rest of the ordinance and staff alludes to that in, um, their, in, in the um, document that lists the definitions that we may need to circle back and uh, make some adjustments as things go forward. So uh, we're prepared to try that and uh, see how it goes. Uh, one of our comments beginning on page one of the letter concerns the demolition definition. We were a little confused by this. It says the, um, it seems to set a higher bar of 100% for HAB review of removal or enclosure of front elevations versus only 25% uh, as a trigger for all exterior walls we were thinking that, you know, this seems backwards. It would seem like the threshold should be lower for HAB review to um, removal of portions of a front elevation since the side and interior, pardon me, interior side and rear elevations are normally not visible. So um, we'd, uh, we were thinking maybe this is a mistake or we just misunderstood that. We would like to ask clarification from staff. Is this worded correctly that that uh, staff is really proposing that it has to be 100% of removal of front elevation to trigger HAB review. Can staff respond? Okay, um, 
I think we meant 100% of the front. And, and um, kind of looking at it as, as two separate thresholds. One is if you are completely removing a street-facing elevation, then that, uh, that is a demolition. Um, and again, we're kind of speaking in isolation because at the same time, I'm, I'm also thinking that there, we may have a, a separate threshold for review when there's things like major alterations, which would have a slightly different definition. De uh, definition. So when I'm really thinking about the word demolition, I'm really thinking, well, if there, if again, if there is a separate definition of major alteration and threshold for review tied to that, then demolition really is complete removal. And so I think that's that's part of um, part of staff thinking, putting uh, staff thinking when we wrote this. And then um, as for the sort of the cumulative removal of all exterior walls, we thought, well, I mean, there's 25%, again, there's no magic here. It's, it's just, we thought that uh, cumulatively 25% would be, uh, would be significant enough where, where we would, um, where it should trigger a review. Again, speaking in isolation, just looking at the definition, a lot of this conversation needs to take place together with what we believe, but what we think the thresholds would be. So okay, well, thank you. Does that you. answer your question, Chris? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we've, uh, we put in, um, you know, our suggestion for a demolition definition. This is based on previous drafts of the ordinance, but you know, go back to at least 2010. This issue has been looked at a lot uh, over the past uh, 15 years. Uh, so uh, that's on page two of our letter. We're suggesting that um, board review would be triggered by, there's four components here. First, removal of more than 25% of the surface of a street facing wall and more than 50% of the surface of a non-street facing wall, except for replacement in kind. The second uh, criterion would be enclosure or visual obstruction of more than 25% of a street facing wall and more than 50% of the surface of a non-street facing wall so that the wall no longer functions as an interior exterior wall. And then uh, third, removal of more than 50% of the roof surface areas measured in plan view except for the replacement of roof surfaces in kind or replacement to match original roof surfaces. And then finally, number four, uh, any alteration that in combination with other alterations within the preceding five years will represent a demolition as defined in those first three sections. So that fourth thing would help prevent so-called serial demolitions over a period of time. Uh, these percentages, this 25%, 50% we put in, uh, we consider those to just be starting points and the actual numbers. Uh, you know, there needs to be discussion to determine what the actual numbers would be. Um, a lot of this came from a February 2012 draft ordinance, and we sent you a copy of that complete ordinance. They actually offered a choice. They, the committee that put it together couldn't decide. They were thinking it could be 25% or 50%. Um, we also deleted the the draft demolitions reference to major alterations. Um, the, the secretary just made reference to that. Uh, we were confused at why that was in there because there's nowhere else in this material referring to major alterations. So it needs to be, it wasn't clear to us whether it was necessary, uh, but uh, we'd like to you know, hear um, staff's take on that. Uh, we also deleted relocation from the definition since relocation as moving a building uh, to another site or elsewhere on the same site could involve a different approval criterion 
and a different uh, review process than demolition. We would expect that uh, there needs to be you know, specific uh, distinctions between those two terms. And also, there's also a already a definition of relocation in the draft, which we think is pretty good. Um, I was going to say something about certificate of approval, that definition, and then I'll, 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 that, that'll be all I'll say at, at the moment. Um, so we think that definition needs to be revised. We put in um, a recommendation. I should have used a um, underscoring and strikeout to show you the changes, so apologize for not doing that, but I'll recite it. It's, um, it basically adds to the um, staff language. So it reads, certificate of approval shall mean a discretionary permit that may be granted by the historical advisory board for demolition, relocation, or alteration. So we added demolition and relocation to historical monument or contributor to historic district. And then we added, and for demolition or relocation of a historic resource or pre-1942 building. And that basically describes the existing process where the HAB for demolition of historic resource, that is a stainless building, um, there's a certificate of approval currently required for that. And pre-1942 building, it's somewhat indirect. Typically the HAB, if it's pre-1942, not on the study list, the HAB makes a determination as to whether the pre-1942 building is eligible for the study list. Once they make the determination eligibility, then they go through the certificate of approval process. So our recommendation for the certificate of approval is based on, um, on current procedure. And this raises the questions whether you're going to keep the pre-1942 threshold or replace it with something else. Uh, 50 years old has been previously discussed as one possibility. And uh, also whether you're going to keep this process, whether if it's uh, pre-1942 but not a historic resource, are you going to first determine if it is a historic resource and then go through the certificate of approval process or just do a certificate approval for anything that's pre-1942 or 50 years old. Um, and finally, I should say economic hardship, uh, that needs to be beefed up. We provide a document uh, from the um, um, National Alliance of, of Preservation Commissions that give you some details, but also look at section six of the February 2012 ordinance that we sent you that has a very specific criteria for economic hardship, which we suggest should be used as a starting point. Um, that's all my comments for now. Thank you. Board member Saxby and we oh, yeah, muted. Church Saxby, I think you're muted. You're still muted. How's that? Yes. Okay. I'll get used to the system eventually. Um, I was thinking that uh, as a board, we'd go through this uh, section by section, first with purpose, um, then with definitions, and finally with duties of the HAB, sort of following the, the order that was presented to us in. And so I was gonna um, offer to Mr. Buckley if he wanted to comment on purpose before we got into a discussion as a board I think he may have gone offline. Chris, are you there? Okay, so we will proceed as a, as a board with comments on the, the first section, which is the, the purpose of the Historical Advisory Board. Um, would anyone like to start with, with comments? 
Excuse me, uh, I'm unmuted oh. now. Did you want me to weigh in? Mr. Buckley, I, uh, yeah, you, you kind of dove into the definitions uh, comments that you made or the AAPS made in their letter, but I was going to start our discussion with the purpose section of the preservation ordinance. And I was wondering if you wanted to present your comments on, on that section prior to us uh, discussing it as a board. Just very briefly, um, there were some other provisions in the February 2012 draft that we wanted to call to your attention that you might want to include in the purpose. The first one was in um, the existing um, purpose C, uh, the 2012 draft added to that, uh, quote, and encouraging new design and construction that complements historic buildings and districts. Uh, and we added within the city's older areas. Uh, that's something to perhaps think about. And then uh, the 2012 draft had an additional purpose uh, that read um, identification and resolution of conflicts between preservation and land use. Um, that is the, the early identification and resolution of conflicts between preservation of historical monuments, historic districts and historic resources and proposed alternative land uses. So those are um, again, suggestions from the 2012 draft. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Okay, now to begin our board discussion on this topic, uh, would anyone like to uh, offer their comments? Am I, does uh, anyone have comments? Raise your hand. No comments, okay. Sorry. Go, I, go ahead, I, Member I Jones. Like it. I like the new purpose, I felt that it was refreshing to get more detail on the original purpose. I love that the um, language was changed from economic welfare in the first sentence to general welfare, um, because I think that um, there's more to um, Alameda and what we stand for than just the economic welfare, even though that's an important piece. And um, that's just what I wanted to say about that. Okay, well, thank you very much. Were there other comments? Member Sanchez, go ahead. So I had a question um, with regards to AAPS's, um, their proposed purpose F, and maybe this is a question for staff. Uh, so the identification and resolution of conflicts between preservation and land use. So the early identification of those conflicts, it, it seems to me that for that to work, Alan, the, the idea would be that we would try when there were uh, proposals for us to identify, or I guess it, we would be relying on staff to bring that to our attention for us to be able to do and to have an impact at an early stage. Um, do you have any feedback on that one? Yeah, I think this gets into the weeds a little bit. And um, I do remember going through the old 2012 uh, draft, and there were discussions about these sort of topics, and um, and I don't remember exactly which ones, but there some of this language was um, either rejected by the board or at the recommendation of staff for various reasons. But I think, um, I mean, regarding the 2012 draft, let me just address that first. I think while that is helpful, I mean, we are in 2020. This is a new board. Um, I would like us to, I mean, if there's anything useful, helpful, yes, we'll definitely reference it. But um, 
will I think we should uh, try to move forward from this point forward. Um, regarding the question about the preservation and land use, to me as a purpose statement, this kind of gets into the details a little bit and it assumes that there will be um, conflicts between land use and preservation. And, and, and um, just based on my experience reviewing other ordinances um, from other cities, it typically, uh, purpose statements are fairly high level, as you sort of see. I mean, they're, they're kind of at a 30,000-foot level, um, very broad, um, doesn't necessarily have to get into these issues. And and if, if uh, the concern about conflicts between land use or new development, let's just, you know, I think this is what that's trying to get to, concern about new development and um, preserve and historic resources, then let's address that issue, particularly in a, the section where we talk about uh, what the board's review authority is, um, and have that um, have that in those sections as opposed to just kind of as a general purpose. Um, because to me, I feel like this sec this purpose F as recommend as uh, suggested by APS seems to make some assumptions about. Um, the, the issue of conflicts. That's just my immediate reaction right now. Well, my, my take on that was um, trying to avoid uh, conflicts like we saw with the Alameda Marina uh, preservation as well as the Shipways site preservation, that they were both sites with historic value that were slated for development and um, I think that this purpose was intended to try to um, get those out in the open earlier before so much effort has been made into uh, developing plans for the sites. That was just my take on it. Um, so since I'm here unmuted, I will continue on <laughs> with my comments and you can, uh, others can, can follow up with theirs. Um, generally, I agree with uh, what AAPS has proposed uh, in their, their purpose comments. Um, in addition to that, I would recommend some wording changes uh, to paragraph A, where it talks about recognizing and protecting historical resources, but I think it should say historical and cultural resources, because um, that's basically the heading of our of our topic here, and um, it's something that's going to get repeated frequently. Um, so when you did that, Alan, you took away my notes. <laughs> uh, let's see, how do I fix that? Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I shared the screen so that we can be looking at the text. Sure. Um, no, I, you, I appreciate that, but my notes are gone now. <laughs> okay, I'm going to exit full screen. Here we go. I got them back. Okay. Um, so in that, that uh, recognizing, protecting historical and cultural resources, that very first line, um, and then going on to say the, recogni the recognition, protection, enhancement, perpetuation, and use of historical and cultural, and I added buildings here because I think buildings and structures are different. Structures can be like water towers or things like that, um, whereas buildings are you know, dwellings and other commercial structures. Uh, sites, I added districts because it doesn't mention historic districts 
And then I offered, I think that maybe we should move neighborhoods up in the, in the ranking here of, of items, just because it got kind of added on at the end of that sentence. Um, and those, that was essentially my comment. So very sort of minor tweaks to that particular uh, paragraph. Um, under paragraph C, I thought that instead of encourage um, the maintenance and improvement, I would word that encourage the preservation and maintenance of historical and cultural resources. Um, I think improvement's vague. I think preservation's a stronger word and it's more in line with what we're trying to do. Um, and I, I think that the, the addition, additional wordage wording that uh, AAPS added, I think there's some merit to looking at that as well. Um, the, I think, let's see what we've got. Um, I'm not able to scroll through your, um, can you move it down? Yeah, thank you. So, and, and also in uh, paragraph C, after the, the suggested preservation and maintenance of, maintenance of historical and cultural resources, I don't think we need to add structures and districts. Again, I think that, that by saying historic resources, we are implying the whole list of items that were in paragraph A. So we don't need to be redundant. Um, finally, in, uh, I, I'm, I would like to propose an additional paragraph to the purpose. And this is kind of given the current climate crisis that we're facing and the need for our community to improve the way it works towards a sustainable future. And I think that preservation is part of that. I would like to add a paragraph that reads, encourage the preservation and reuse of historic and cultural resources as an environmentally responsible and sustainable practice by recognizing that older buildings already exist and therefore do not require the energy and resources required to construct new buildings and infrastructure. Um, and those are my comments on the purpose section. Do we have other comments or feedback on, on my comments? Um, Board Member Sanchez, please unmute yourself. Uh, yeah, so uh, I would say um, that to, to your comments, Chair Saxby, the, for me, the uh, I don't mind uh, structures as, uh, you know, I feel like structures and buildings uh, are uh, you know, the, I feel that the term structures does connote buildings. I don't feel that there's a, a lack of clarity on that one. So uh, for me, I would just say I didn't have the same reaction to that. I, I do understand your point about that. I think that's why structures works because it's broadly defines built, built structures, which in my opinion includes buildings. I think uh, I fully support your suggestion about um, the added paragraph with regards to uh, sustainability, I think that that is a very good point and certainly one of the goals uh, that I would um, 
suggest that we keep in mind as part of our mission. So I'm in agreement with you on that one. Thank you. Member Jones. Um, I just would love more cl uh, clarification on that last um, possible section F. Um, what it's easier for me to like see it in um, wording, but um, what what do you mean by? Can you kind of paraphrase that? I'm paraphrasing the the, the historic or existing buildings, including historic buildings, mm -hmm. um, are already built. Mm -hmm. They embody materials and energy that um, it already exist and don't need to be recreated or don't need to be expended on new buildings. So therefore, they are a greener resource than new buildings. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. That, and by building a new building, you're expending lots of energy and you know, you're required to uh, you know, manufacture and harvest materials. And these are all uh, practices that are not as sustainable as preservation itself. Well, then I, I would be for that as well. And then um, this is a question I had in other parts of the document, but just really quickly, what's the difference between a site and a district? Is that something that needs to be distinguished? It, it might need to go into the definition section, but I think the difference is is a site is a particular property, whereas a district is a collection of properties. Oh, got it. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Do we have other other comments from uh, board members? Staff member or board member uh, Lau? Oh, I just have uh, one question. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know. Alameda is trying to do the, um, you know, the measure C. Uh, I don't know if you'll pass or not, but is it, if measure C is a pass, is there will be any conflict for the, um, the conflict between the, um, the land use or multi-unit multi use um, to the uh, historical district? Is there any conflict or if, if measure C pass? Uh, Staff Member Tai, would you want to address that one? Yeah, I can address. Um, first of all, I, it's my understanding that uh, Measure Z is on track to fail. Um, but just, uh, the the whole issue of multifamily and preservation, um, uh, from staff's perspective, there's actually no conflict. I mean, there historically have been multifamily buildings that are that are. Um, uh, maybe built in the Victorian era, so so uh, those could coexist. It's it's really how how you carry out the project, the design, the architecture, as it relates to the um, historical context. Um, Chair Saxby, I actually, um, if I may, oh. want to address the Please. question uh, between building and structures. Um, and I think I alluded to this in my staff report that uh, within the Alameda Municipal Code, there are multiple sections for definitions that define different things. And we try not to repeat definitions or uh, come up with uh, the same term, term, but define it differently where there would be a conflict. So I believe in the zoning ordinance, there is a definition for structure already. And it says that structures do include buildings, which is why in this case, um, 
we did not put in the word building under subsection A. Okay, I will I will retract that comment. I um, I know that there is a distinction made in the National Park Service uh, documents between the two, and so I was just seeking clarification there. But if we've already got it in the municipal code, I don't think we need to press that issue. If there are no other comments, um, I'd like to move on to the definitions section. Would, there, would anybody want to uh, take the lead on comments there? No comments. Is that what I'm seeing? Well, no, hand, no hands raised? Oh, Member okay. Jones? I have a few, but I don't know how to go about it. Um, just the first one under alterations. I guess um, in particular, I need clarification under the, what is it? Like the second sentence in the middle of the paragraph. The addition and alteration of awnings and signs excluding historically designated signs or interior modifications. Improvements and repairs are not included in this definition. So I'm just curious why it's not included. So I think um, what this means is um, when we talk about alterations, it doesn't apply to awnings and signs. Um, the definition may not ex explain why, but my belief is that um, awnings and signs, there's a whole separate ordinance elsewhere in the Alameda Municipal Code that addresses that issue and sets up rules for it, including um, historic, um, um, except historic, historically designated signs. Um, and so I think that sentence there was, was put there to avoid a conflict. Got it. Between between the alteration requirements in the preservation ordinance from just typical sign uh, signs and awnings that are already governed um, elsewhere in the sign ordinance. Okay. Other um, other comments? Are we just talking about any any part of, in the definition section? Here, any part of the definition section. Okay. Um, just really quickly, the certified arborist shall mean an arborist who's registered with the International Society of Arboriculture. So I'm, I don't know very much about that, but just um, wondering, is this limiting our ability to find an arborist who can do the job, or is this a very standard license that all arborists have? This is, I would say, fairly standard. The, we, um, so the context of this is uh, anticipate when we get to the section where we talk about the preservation of important trees in the city, that um, if there is a request to remove the tree, um, we would want a, we would want a, a, a qualified expert and that qualified expert would be called a certified arborist who has these credentials. And, and so the purpose of the definition really is to lay that out. This is my last question because I know we're probably going to get into it with the demolition stuff and possibly economic hardship, but um, heritage area versus heritage district, I had trouble differentiating the two. 
Right. Um, so, um, in yeah, in the past, the Historical Advisory Board had, um, uh, I believe, adopted resolutions that identified several heritage areas in the city, and um, because that was by resolution, and that there was never code amendments that would acknowledge those areas. Um, the definition here, I believe, is just really an intent to um, memorialize that within the city's um, historical assets, we uh, we have uh, monuments, districts, individual resources, but also these heritage areas. And so there would be a separate section that would get into um, what those are, that would list those areas. Um, that's it for me. Okay, any other comments? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, so I think for me, the the one that um, I was uh, in agreement with AAPS's letter on was with the clarification for economic hardship. Um, it does seem like uh, further definition would be would be worthwhile, and I thought that. Um, categorizing between income producing properties and non-income producing properties was uh, I felt was uh, something that we should strive for as well as um, it seems like it's a it's definitely a difficult one to a difficult thing to ascertain and I thought that the examples that were given in the letter that they sent were clear of how that evaluation was done so um, I think that some elaboration of that definition at the very least to discern between income producing properties and non income producing properties uh, would be important. And I, it, it didn't really feel to me as though that we've achieved that with this, with this definition. Yeah, I, I agree completely with what uh, member Sanchez just uh, related. I thought that the um, the attachment to the AAPS's email earlier today, the creating a better process to review economic hardship, had a lot of good information in it. And I think we should be looking at that um, as a guide to help us create more specific language for that particular definition. I don't have that language right now, but I think that's something we can work on. Um, yeah, it, it, sorry. I was sorry. I was just going to elaborate on that one. Is that also? I. It seems like it's a really difficult. Um, it's a really difficult position for us to be in, right? To ascertain whether something is a financial hardship or not for an applicant, and and so, the other the other point that was in the in the letter in the attachment from AAPS was, the fact that there was a, um, a separate procedure for evaluating. Um, the application versus evaluating the financial hardship. And again, I thought that that was something that perhaps doesn't belong in the definition section, but that from a procedural standpoint, I thought was a very good um, suggestion and, and that we evaluate the merit of the project separately from the financial hardship. I thought that those two should be seen as separate applications or separate hearings. Um, so I just wanted to fill, circle back on that one as well. And and possibly if it's if it's that complicated of a subject and needs more attention, maybe it 
it deserves a section in the a, a different section in the preservation ordinance addressing the, the particular issues perhaps yeah did you have other comments member sanchez uh no that was uh, those were but i think that you guys have covered some of those already okay thank you um Again, I generally agreed with AAPS's uh, recommendations for the definitions. Um, I, I am, uh, I'm, I'm kind of confused, maybe, or wondering about the the, the percent um, demolition on the front facade that was discussed briefly by uh, Chris Buckley. Um, you know, as I see it, a you know, 25% of a front facade being demolished is a pretty significant uh, alteration to uh, an historic property. And um, so I don't understand the 100% um, wording that was that was um, included in the, the draft ordinance. Um, so I think should spend a little more time talking about that. But um, the way I see it is that you know maybe a 10 or 15 percent um, trigger would be more appropriate for the for the street facing facade. Um, in that, with once you've surpassed that level of demolition, that you're going before the historic advisory board to uh, present your project, and you know not saying that you'll be denied, but at least the, the historic advisory board will have an opportunity to comment. Um, The uh, under the certificate of approval definition, uh, I, again, I'm not sure that we want to include a 50-year trigger for historic buildings. I think that you know most of Alameda is defined by the pre-World War II buildings. Um, I think if we open it up to the 50-year um, designation for historic properties, then we are including most of what the landfill area would be, uh, South Shore, and that um, those buildings developed in the 1960s. Um, and I'm not sure that's appropriate for our for our board. Um, under the term, under the alterations definition, uh, there is an addition of um, that designates interior spaces that are regularly open to the public, including but not limited to a lobby area of designated interior features of an historical monument or contributor. I would uh, think that, you know, if we're gonna open up, if we're gonna ask for the lobby areas to be uh, protected under the ordinance, I, I would think we would also wanna include any primary stairs or corridors that uh, could be part of that lobby. Um, or certain, like in like City Hall, for instance, um, you know, coming up the monumental stairs into City Hall and then looking down the corridors in both directions. Of course, you would want that all to be included in in um, that definition of alteration. Um, in general, I think we need to be careful about. You know, in some places we talk about historical resources, in other places we talk about historical and cultural resources. Um, I think we should be pretty much agreeing to include both of those terms uh, in our definitions, uh, wherever they fall. And I noticed that in the earlier versions of the uh, draft ordinance, 
Um, they, they hyphenated historic hyphen cultural resources. I think that's clumsy, but um, at least that gets them both into <laughs> the document. So um, I prefer historical and cultural, but I would, I would be okay with historic hyphen cultural. Um, the definition of demolition by neglect. Um, what comes to mind for me is a, is a building that I walk by pretty frequently, and I'm not sure it falls under the definition uh, that we uh, are proposing, and I'm just wondering if there might be a way to address that or if it can be addressed in other places. But this building is the, the one that's near the corner of Central and Grand. It's been abandoned for so many years and partially rehabilitated and then stopped. Um, clearly, it's not in danger of falling down at this point, but it is neglected and um, in danger of losing its historic integrity, you know, if it continues to be abandoned and, and not uh, cared for. And I'm not sure that our definition would uh, address that. And um, so I, I'll be looking for ways to maybe um, include that sort of property in our definitions or at least in, the, in our uh, enforcement uh, under this ordinance. Um, we just talked about economic hardship. That's the next on my list. Uh, under integrity, I think that's a tricky definition as well. And I would encourage us to uh, reference the National Park Service document, which is entitled, uh, How to Evaluate the Integrity of a Property. And that actually goes through in quite detailed language the uh, seven aspects of integrity, location, design, setting, materials, workmanship, feeling, and association. And I don't think we need to include that in our definition, but just reference that document as, um, as uh, the place to go for additional information on that subject. Um, under the, the term restoration, I think that we need to add to the definition in restoration that it should be evidence-based restoration, that it would be uh, based on documentary or physical evidence um, and sort of making that a little bit more uh, concise or more precise uh, on what would be considered restoration. Um, additional words that we might talk about and we circle back to this uh, later, are the terms preservation, rehabilitation, and reconstruction, which all have very specific definitions and uh, could be uh, included in our ordinance, uh, might come up in various projects. Um, I think that uh, adding, I'm not sure if this was added or not um, in the draft that I looked at, been looking at too much recently. But the uh, uh, definition of period of significance, that may have been included in one of the early, earlier drafts, and I think it's, it's something that's worth bringing back into this current draft. And um, I think a definition for significant adverse change is also something we should look at including with our current set of definitions. Um, so that's the end of my comments. Member Lau, would you like to join in? Oh, yeah, I just have a one. Uh, I just want to clarify: is a certified certification or the approval? 
So uh, based on I understand that right now, everything, every building before 1942, so uh, you need to do the certification approval. So um, do you think we need to add some exception or something? Um, uh, uh, I mean, put it in the, like, put down, like, sample P, 1942 building. I mean, put more detail in the definition or, or it should be good enough. Maybe. So, uh, board member Lau, I think that's where, uh, that's a good question about what's a definition versus what is a standard or a, or a regulation. And I think what we're trying to do is define terms and not necessarily want to put in rules or regulations in the definitions itself. And I think if you look through the Minnesota Code in the past, we have oftentimes um, written definitions to, and, and try to clarify it to the point where we're also including requirements. And I think that's that's uh, a flaw where um, the rules end up in multiple places and it becomes not very user-friendly. So I think um, in this case, uh, for certificate approval, for example, all we really want to do is, is define what that term means. It is a discretionary permit issued by the board. When it's when is it required? Where does it apply? Uh, what conditions typically follow? Um, that information should show up in the uh, section of the ordinance that talks about when a certificate of approval is required, but not in the definition. Does that make sense? As an example, sure. okay. Okay, thank, Sachi, thank you. May, yes, yes. Uh, may I may I address a comment um, earlier about the term historic hyphen cultural resource? And um, sure. yes, I, I do realize that. Well, so so let's step back. Um, what staff was trying to do was actually to try to clean that up, because in reviewing some of the um, uh, state office of historic preservation staff comments to other cities ordinance updates. One of the comments that I've seen frequently made was about the use of custom terminology or, or, or terms that aren't necessarily following uh, the national or state standards. And very often I've seen a comment about, hey, don't call your inventory the Campbell Historic Preservation uh, Priority Inventory. Call it what it is that uh, most most um, people commonly understand it to be, which is historic pre uh, resources inventory. So it's it's because I have seen uh, repetitive comments like that from the state, which which is uh, making me believe that we should just simplify the term. Uh, we could have we could define historic resources to also mean cultural um, uh, uh, items of cultural significance, uh, but we could keep the terminology consistent and simple. Um, so if it's historic resource, we just call it historic resource, but we mean everything that's um, also culturally important. Well, I, I, I like the, the split definition, historical and cultural, just because, you know, cultural seems to address many things that could be much more contemporary that are important and maybe will become more important historically, but they're contemporary now that could be things that, um, I don't know, say, you know, Black Lives Matter movement was was founded in some building in Alameda. 
And um, so that becomes a cultural resource that we would certainly want to pay attention to. Um, it's not necessarily historic yet. Um, so that's, that's my two cents on that particular issue. Um, if there are no other comments on the definitions sections, we can move onward to the... Uh, I have one okay. I'm sorry. Sure. Please, go ahead. Um, so under the, the stru structural alterations, which was crossed out in the document, it, was that relocated? Where was that relocated to? Oh, so that was basically uh, deleting that um, definition because... Um, I think the direction we want to go is it's either an alteration or, or a demolition. And so structural alteration seems to be this middle ground where, um, I mean, I think we just call it, if it's an alteration, it's an alteration, whether it's structural or not. And then the um, actual uh, provisions in the ordinance would, would describe what that threshold would be um, subject, for, subject to review. Okay. Thank you. Does that answer the question? Okay. It does. Okay. Then uh, moving on to the, if there are no other comments or questions, um, I don't see any raised hands. So um, moving on to the duties of the Historic Advisory Board. Um, would anyone like to start that discussion? Okay, well, I will, <laughs> I'll jump in here. Um, the, uh, you know, the, I, as previously mentioned, I thought that the duties should reflect, you know, sort of our, what are, what are our, our regular activities, which is the review of uh, proposed alterations to properties on the historic resource inventory. Um, just a mention of it, um, and I, you know, I know it was put in the, in the uh, previous ordinance sort of under interim review, but you know, it's kind of buried in the ordinance and I, I, I think it's more important than that. And I would like to see it moved into um, this, this particular um, subheading. Um, I think that as part of that, maybe it's part of that same uh, description of duties, but you know, the issuance of certificates of approval for alterations. Uh, is there no mention of that here? Um, it might be something we want to add. And I think that new construction in historic districts or um, significant older neighborhoods is something that I would like to see the Historic Advisory Board become involved with because I think that it is very important that um, the context of districts or neighborhoods is preserved, um, and this body would be a good uh, resource to to help do that. Um, under the under the wording that we're looking at now, uh, paragraph B, um, the the first sentence says, "Take all steps necessary to preserve historical monuments." which are not in conflict with the health, safety, general welfare of the general public. And I know that's a legal term, but I'm wondering, you know, how do we know whether or not it's in conflict? <laughs> is, um, 
maybe that's just something that just stays in there because it needs to be there. But um, we're taking steps, but we just, we, I don't know. We know the imp implications of our steps um, reg with regard to health, safety, and welfare. Um, so that's, those are my comments. Uh, would others like to uh, chime in? Well, I'll, yeah, I was going to try to, uh, an example that comes to mind uh, with regards to the health, safety, and welfare uh, conflict, you know, I, I would imagine if we had a catastrophic earthquake and there was a, a portion of a historic building in the middle of the street, that at that point, you know, the demolition of the structure to clear the sidewalk or something like that um, would potentially uh, be an example of where the, those two things could potentially be in conflict, right? Where, where maybe the uh, um, there wouldn't be a, a way to sort of uh, preserve the monument without being in conflict with safety. So that that is just an example that comes to mind. I think of what that language speaks to in my mind. Okay, thank you. I I, I agree with that. I think that there's other sections of the code that address sort of emergency procedures um, where, you know, where the public safety like is in danger. Um, but, you know, I don't disagree with what you just said. Member Witt, would you like to make a comment? Yes, um, I agree. I would like to see some language around um, new construction and 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 fitting into into the older neighborhoods. I mean, we 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 do what we uh, the bulk of what we've been doing is not doesn't seem like it's in, is listed here under our duties. Thank you. Other comments? I can't see you all on the one screen, so I'm having to shift back and forth to see if I see a hand raised. Okay, so I think that concludes our discussion of um, duties of the HAB. And um, I believe that we were gonna have a, another presentation regarding uh, our future uh, discussions. Uh, for our December meeting, is that right? Uh, yes, let me continue my um, slides here. Just a few slides to kind of get us thinking about the, the next subject matter. Um, let me share the screen again. Okay, so um, for tonight, we reviewed the first three sections. Um, at your next meeting, uh, what we will do, what staff will present would be a draft of the next three sections. Um, and I would just say that it may not necessarily fit in three sections. We might, uh, we might decide to break out certain sections, so the, the organization and formatting might change a little bit. Um, but what we, and so that's sort of the plan for the next meeting. And then at the next meeting, we will also do sort of a preview of what's to come in the subsequent meetings. And I think uh, as, as we get into the interim review section, I mean, it's called that right now, but 
that that's really the section that describes what I will call actions subject to review. What are some of the actions through historic resources that will trigger a city review and who is responsible for that review? What are we reviewing and what is that process? So I think that um, because it, that's really the substance of this ordinance, um, we, we will probably need to spend some more time on that. And then also hearing your feedback tonight, I'm thinking we might want to spend um, some dedicated time just on the issue of um, economic hardship. So that might pull our schedule out a little bit. Um, and also just heads up for this board, um, right now, logistically, we are working out sort of the calendar for 2021. And um, just due to logistics and staff resources, I am not sure whether the January, first January meeting will still happen on the first week or whether we will set up a, a special meeting or whether we just cancel that meeting and go to February. So that's um, in discussion right now. And I'll give you an update at the next meeting. Um, but so right now, uh, we're gonna do a preview of the uh, next three sections for, for the December meeting. Um, and if you recall, we went over the sections last at the last meeting. I'm just gonna dive into sort of the key issues that we had briefly discussed. Number one, for historical monuments, there is no criteria um, identified in the ordinance. So it basically says the historical advisory board may review and nominate to the city council, recommend city, to the city council designation of historical monuments, but um, the criteria is not um, explicit. Um, it also does not really spell out a nomination process. So it does address the board's role in recommending um, uh, the designation to the city council, but what if I'm a property owner and I wanna nominate uh, my home, my beautiful Victorian as a um, historic monument, that process is not laid out. Um, and if you look at other uh, model ordinances in the state of California, um, it also addressed some more details about uh, property owner notification, um, the role of the property owner, whether if, if they consent to a nomination or not. Um, what's also very important is this notion of establishing a moratorium on changes to a historic resource when, uh, monument when there is a nomination pending. So in some cities, there have been cases where uh, the, the city or the local landmarks commission might be considering nominating a property or creating a district and the homeowner quickly squeezes in the permit to try to do something with the property um, and make a change before that takes place. So um, typically cities would, um, upon application or a submittal of a nomination, um, immediately establish a moratorium. So I think that is a best practice we would like to incorporate. And then um, just further having the ordinance elaborate on the process and criteria for designation. Um, what happens first? Application comes in, is there a timeline? Um, well, how soon or how long does it have to get before the, uh, come before the historical advisory board? Um, and then in cases where um, we do need to rescind the designation, I mean, this is rare, but um, if there is a building that has been demolished or um, has been destroyed through a catastrophic event, um, is that a trigger for rescinding the designation? Um, how do we treat those um, situations? And so I think, I think um, this is sort of the time to think about what we wanna do in these situations and um, how we wanna 
lay out that process. Let's see. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about criteria. Um, and Chair's um, actually, you you um, you talked about the uh, integrity, the seven aspects of integrity. So, um, uh, but that's what I have on the screen. But um, most cities often just uh, use the state and national register criteria um, under the state office of historic preservation uh, model ordinance. I also recommend cities adopt this criteria just so that there is consistency and a frame of reference. And basically it's, you know, these, these four criteria, A, B, C, and D, really associated with important or significant uh, historical events. Um, persons or C is probably the criteria we, we, um, we would apply most here in Alameda for uh, archi architectural um, uh, characteristics, distinctive architecture. Um, and then in, in other cases, um, archaeology, which really is um, criterion D. So I just want to put this on the screen so um, the board can see the, the criteria as a frame of reference. And um, I also just want to point out that um, almost four, well, 40 years ago when the city of Alameda uh, did its survey and created the historical building study list. Um, it used a combination of the criteria and it came up with these four based on architectural significance, historical significance, and then just the last two also focusing on um, sort of neighborhood character and design, environmental significance, the, the, the relationship between the historic resource and the setting on this block and the land and, and the surrounding um, neighborhood. And then also this one about design integrity. So I put this up here just so um, the board can think about, well, when we think about establishing criteria for historical monuments, do we wanna just defer to the national and state criteria as recommended by the state agency, or do we wanna come up with our own unique standard as we have done previously with the study list. So um, just some food for thought there. Um, so just some questions to think about. Um, really, do we adopt the national criteria, uh, the role of the property owners, do they have veto powers? Um, and then also um, the, the inspection 13-21.5, uh, the procedures for review of historic resources. Currently, um, the uh, um, historical monuments, um, they're subject to any, basically any alteration is subject to uh, a certificate of approval at a historical advisory board meeting um, when you're altering a historical monument. So do we, want to consider allowing certain minor alterations if they're related to like the maintenance of the building. Um, I, I'll give you an example. Um, the Veterans Memorial Building, which is operated by the city's Recreation and Parks Department. At one time, there was either a, um, I think there was a flooding issue in the basement. And in order to deal with the flooding issue, there needed to be a pump installed. And But, but to, um, and then there's also, I believe, a ventilation that was needed to the um, 
through the pump system. And there was no way really to get the vent out. And so the contractor was proposing that we convert one of the window panes into um, sort of like a vent louver. Well, under the ordinance, technically, that would require uh, that uh, proposal to come before the historical advisory board. But really, that was that was a an action needed to really maintain the building. It is a small change, but it is a street-facing window. And so, um, I'm trying to bring that example out as you know, these things happen on a day-to-day basis. There are needs. Um, older buildings, especially, has a lot of maintenance needs, and inevitably, there are situations where there would be, you know, these sort of minor alterations. Do we want to create some threshold for, for, um, um, for minor alterations? Um, and then, and then, if we develop uh, a threshold for review, should these thresholds then be different between historical monuments, um, study list properties, as well as pre-42? So, so that that last question is really something for you to think. For us to think about much longer term, and I think these themes have been brought up uh, tonight as we talk about the definitions of alteration and demolition. Um, so I will. Um, so on on the issue of the historical monuments and the criteria and procedures, um, these are the these are the questions that I have. Um, I also have one more subject matter just related to historical signage. I think that's a lot simpler. Um, Chair Saxby, would you like me to just go through those last two slides before we come back on questions and comments? Yes, please proceed. Yeah, okay. So currently, um, 13-21.6, uh, it's a very short, brief section for designation of historic signs. Um, and in the uh, late 80s and early 90s, the Historical Advisory Board did develop a scoring criteria for signage. Um, we actually had a project come before you, I believe, uh, late last year um, on Willow Street and Lincoln Avenue, uh, the Lincoln Market sign, where we applied that criteria. And um, in the early 90s, the HAB also developed a very uh, brief set of guidelines. Um, Staff does not recommend needing to really change this language other than uh, adding the word criteria uh, uh, to, to the provisions. Um, and then, but then as a follow-up task outside of the ordinance update, the board might want to, if, if you believe it's necessary, um, we should revisit the guidelines. And, and one um, purpose for doing that, that staff sees is really to address um, case law since the early 90s related First Amendment rights and how cities can regulate historic signs. Um, in particular, um, this next slide will show it. Um, the guidelines number one requires um, if I am a new business and I'm moving into uh, a, a, a new premise and it has a historic sign, if I were to put up a sign or reuse that sign, then I would have to uh, change my business name and logo to meet, um, to match that of the historic sign. And I, and, um, I believe uh, there, there's case law out there that, um, that addresses this issue. So maybe it's not a mandate, but a consideration. But that's an example of the change we might, the staff would recommend. 
and um, this is just the schedule that um, I was talking about earlier. Probably don't need to rehash it. It's already in your staff report. Um, and I think that concludes my presentation tonight. Um, I can go back to the slides of the questions so that that could facilitate the Q&A. Otherwise, um, those are my remarks. Okay, did I, um, did I understand that there were gonna be some public comments or uh, regarding these future issues? Was, is there a public speaker? I suspect that means no. Okay, so it's just board comments. I believe Mr. Buckley has his hand raised. I can't see Mr. Buckley, so Sorry, my thank apologies. you for letting my me know. Microphone turned off. Uh, yeah, Christopher okay. Buckley, you would like to speak. Okay, thank you. Thank you, can you hear me? I can. Good, thank you. Um, AAPS did not comment specifically on what um, Secretary Ty just outlined because we think it's a, it's a good approach and all these issues should be looked at uh, at the next meeting. Uh, there were some others though that we also would like to call to your attention and uh, we listed some of those in our letter. If you go to page four, um, I'm gonna kind of jump around here a bit. Um, however, um, so there's item uh, five, should exterior changes to altered properties that can be restored and are within historic districts be subject to HAB review? This brings up the question that relating to that historical monuments now also include historic districts. There's two historic districts already that are historical monuments, namely the Park Street National Register District and the former NAS National Register District. So, and the way the ordinance currently reads, basically any contributing structure within those historic districts are subject to HAB review. However, the HAB has delegated, uh, I believe, review of changes to individual buildings, alterations, not demolitions, to staff. Uh, and, and staff and board members, please correct me if I'm wrong on that. So, this is, there's kind of a conflation under the current rules between historical monuments and historic districts. It looks like the intent is to try to separate those two categories in the revised ordinance. But, um, so that needs to be clarified. You're really separating those, those categories. And if so, are the current rules any different? So would the HAB still retain purview, um, at least theoretical purview, deferred to staff perhaps in some cases to alterations to um, contributors and maybe even non-contributors within historic districts? And then um, item six carries us one step further. Should new construction within historic districts be subject to HAB review? Uh, yeah, we believe it should, um, but um, you know, this is a question for the board. Also getting back to item five, if the changes to all, how about changes to altered properties within historic districts? That is they're his historic, they could be contributing if they're restored uh, with the HAB, uh, like to review any uh, attempts to restore those contributing properties. So uh, we would like to suggest adding that to the list of questions to be addressed 
um, you know, at the uh, next meeting uh, for procedures involving historic uh, districts and historical monuments. Uh, also somewhat related to this is item two on this list. Um, should demolition of historic structures be subject to any review? Well, they, they are uh, accessory structures and it's been delegated to staff, but we believe that that process needs to be fleshed out in the ordinance. Right now it's just a, I believe it's a board resolution that delegated that authority to staff. Uh, we had sent these letters back in 2011 suggesting a process. We reiterated that process in the statement of objectives we sent to the board for your last meeting. I won't repeat that whole process here, but the suggestion was that if an accessory uh, building is proposed for demolition, uh, staff first reviews it to see if it has potential to be a um, you know, historic building, be, be considered having historic merit. Uh, and if it does, then do review and notify the HAB whenever these comes in so the HAB can do a kind of over-the-shoulder review of what staff does and perhaps either uh, tell staff that we would like to bring this to the HAB or at least retain authority to call a staff determination for review, have a call for review procedure uh, for, the, uh, for the staff determination. So um, those are some items that would be specific uh, to the agenda for the next meeting. I would, though, also like to call to your attention some other um, topics that need to be considered in um, the board's um, review and, and the direction for the new ordinance at some point in this process. So um, one example, and this actually could pertain to the next meeting, um, is, uh, and we list this in the statement of objectives that we sent to the last meeting, is, um, giving the HAB authority to impose conditions of approval on projects that replace demolished or removed um, historic resources, yeah, particularly if they're within a significant grouping like a historic district. Um, so you know, that's a topic we, we suggest maybe be brought up at, as part of the discussion at the, at the next meeting. And I'm not going to go over everything here. That's that's it for the moment. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Buckley. Um, so within our board, do we have uh, comments on what's been um, presented or offered by AAPS? I tend to, to agree with uh, Mr. Buckley about the, I think the three items that he included um, from his, from the AAPS letter that we were given, they all, they seem like they kind of fall into the same heading as uh, the topics we're gonna be discussing next month. And um, so we may be getting into those um, just as part of our discussions, but you know, we should try to include them as well. Other comments? Yeah, just to say that I agree with, with that, that I think that inclusion in our discussion would be good. Right. I have a, I have a, que I have a question. Is, sure. is, is Webster Street considered a historic district? I don't believe so. Alan? No. no, it has not been formally adopted as a historic district like Park Street is. Um, Park Street is not only a historic district, it's also been uh, nominated to the National Register. So, um, and if, if, if staff make just um, 
make uh, one more comment related to the question about, um, I think this is question number five on Mr. Buckley's letter uh, about exterior changes to, um, to uh, contributors in a historic district. Currently, the, um, it's again, not codified in the ordinance, but what staff has been doing over the years is if there is a storefront, for example, um, uh, on Park Street, um, you may, some of you may remember Cholita Linda. That was right. in the, um, that's, that's the storefront remodel, significant remodel of a existing contributor building. We have brought those projects before the board. Now, there are instances where businesses have um, come in requesting approval for, so Tor Safari in the last year has had some vandalism, unfortunately. Um, the window, one of their storefront windows were damaged, and uh, it needed to be replaced. I mean, it was, it was plywood, uh, it was boarded up, and it needed to be replaced. Unfortunately, they could not find a suitable replacement and the um, and the alternative that they found was very similar, but it had a, um, a uh, I think either a mullion or a bar right through the middle. So that appearance would have been different. And in that case, um, staff did make a determination that that was consistent enough, and we had approved it um, um, for it to move forward, as opposed to requiring it to come before the board for a public hearing. So um, in practice. Um, Staff has, um, in the past over the years, consistently um, tried to approve sort of minor, uh, minor alterations um, to contributors. And but but again, that is not written down. Um, that is just you know a consistent practice over the years. And so it is an opportunity for the board to decide. Okay, um, do you want to see all changes, or maybe some of the minor changes can be done at staff level. So, sorry, long long answer to uh, uh, your question, but um, it, it related to the um, contributor conversation. So I, I have a question about your your comment. There was the storefront, the window alteration with the added mullion. Was that to a historic storefront, or was that a previously altered storefront? It was a previously altered storefront. So I think so that that's an important distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I think, I, but that's a worthwhile discussion to be had with our board. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think um, just kind of a comment for the board, as you think about these questions, also think about the criteria. So, so for example, let's just say the board believes that, yes, we don't want to hold up businesses trying on Park Street trying to make a window repair, requiring them to come before you a month later at a public hearing. Um, so you might agree to let staff make that determination but you you should also try to define the criteria so for example uh, chair Saxley, you just suggested a very good one it's fairly standard practice is this an alteration to something that's already been altered um and i think of i think another ordinance i, I would sorry not ordinance a um, um Earlier, there was mentioned that the uh, board did delegate the review of accessory structures as well as the um, review of um, tree removals to staff. Um, the delegation of the tree removal to staff occurred in 2012. That resolution actually included a lot of required findings that staff has to make before we um, approve a tree removal. And so 
Um, I think that's a very good example of something that, um, and I will share this with the board too, the, the resolution for the tree removal. That could be a good example for how we lay out the criteria so that staff has clear direction on how to, how to go about the decision making. And so I would ask this board to kind of think deeper about what that criteria might be. In what instances can staff go ahead and make that determination? Um, Chair Saxby, if I can make just sure. one more comment about um, the the role that's already been delegated to staff. So on accessory buildings as well as trees, um, before staff actually issues the approval, we issue a public notice. Um, that public notice. Um, is uh, basically a, it's a bulk notice that includes all of the actions of the planning director. Uh, you may be receiving those emails um, uh, that are also sent to the uh, planning board, um, but you're also an audience where if you see a certificate of approval by staff on there that you don't agree with, um, you may call that item for review. And most of the times this is this is fairly routine and staff does that review already. Most of the times garages coming before us for demolition are already dilapidated or has been altered and really has has um, no character. But um, you do have that is our current process. We we share that information with you. Um, you you can review and ask questions or call uh, those staff level decisions for review. I think you you addressed one of my questions was, um, well, you know, you don't want to overburden the citizens with this historical advisory board review, but by foregoing that review, you're, you're in a way, you're taking it away from the public process. And, but you're saying that there's a public notification with all of your decisions that, so the public does have an opportunity if they're aware of that process, that would be an important, uh, factor is, is how are they made aware and is that readily available to everyone to see. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that's a good point of discussion. And the answer is yes to, to all of the above. Um, okay. Um, are there other comments or questions on, on this uh, next, next month's uh, subject matter? I think we'll have plenty to discuss next next time. Okay, so moving along, I think I have an agenda here somewhere. Um, board communications. Um, <clears throat> the only uh, I have one item for communication, and I just it's really a question to staff. Uh, I know that the we're going through a general plan review, uh, a broader general plan review with the city. And I'm just, I know that that general plan includes some preservation aspects to it. And I'm wondering if there's gonna be an opportunity for this board to review and comment on those sections of the general plan. Alan, do you have a comment on that? Okay. Uh I was wondering if that was a question for me. That's um, the question. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the the um, the general plan update is is open to the public, and we certainly welcome welcome your input and comment. Um, but as a board, if you would like us to agendize uh, that for a board discussion, we can do that at the next meeting as well. 
Okay, I think it would be appropriate yeah. for us to look at the least particular sections that are, uh, impact preservation concerns within the city um, and have that discussion on our board and allow the public to comment as well. Any other? Uh, Back will do that. Okay, any other uh, board communications? No, I'm not seeing any hands raised. Okay, next item, staff communications. Um, I don't have any at the moment. I was just going to um, share the uh, information about the general plan update and ask if the board wanted to. Okay. <laughs> we, we just talked about it. <laughs> well, thank you for, for thinking about that. Appreciate it. Um, oral communications. No other oral communications? Then uh, I thank everyone for their participation and all their comments. Um, I think we are at the point of adjournment. So um, do we have a motion to adjourn? A motion to adjourn. A second? Second. Okay. I think we're all in favor. Aye. <laughs> thank you. I'll see you next see you next month. Okay. Thank you very much, Ellen. Thank you.